On this week's podcast episode, we have Tunis Hunt. You guys know him as Bones in F3 Nation. Bones has his own podcast that you all well know called The Hunt for Wellness. And today we have him on the podcast to share his story. His story of his journey through uh, fitness and wellness and faith and family. Enjoy. Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope. Gosh, seek transformational relationships. What you're hearing from the culture is not right. Pick up the six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is. Stop being less. To help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. So we're coming to you live again, well, recording live, from the Nan Cave in Danville, Pennsylvania, where it is really dreary and rainy, as it is quite frequently in Pennsylvania. However, we do have our good days. But on the on the flip side, it's warm enough that it's not snow. So uh, we're happy about that. We're really thrilled to have our guest today, uh, Tunis Hunt, F3 Bones. A lot of you in the F3 world know about him. If you don't, you should. Uh, he's got his own podcast. He's uh, always on the COT uh, with a segment there talking about uh, wellness. And uh, I'm really looking forward to have Bones on the, on the show today and to talk to him not just about wellness, but all kinds of other things and get to know him because our mission here is to bring guys on to tell their story, to encourage and motivate and inspire other guys to be more virtuous leaders. And uh, so hopefully... Y'all get something out of this, because I know we will. Uh, my name's Nevin Gorky. I am uh, the host. My, I'm known as DFib in the F3 gloom, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother, Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial-Up. Dial-Up, I know that you're preparing for a half marathon in March, and yeah. I know you don't just prepare to run it, because you're trying <laughs> to accomplish something. W- what was your training today? So uh, today, I got in like 9.3 miles and just did some some race pace tempo work. So I did a 10-minute warm-up. And then did uh, three 10 minute uh, bouts at tempo, kind of what my target marathon pace is around uh, seven flat, 650. And then uh, a couple one minute pickups at the end and then cooled it down. All right. You going to uh, keep up with that college girl? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> you, people are going to be like, why is he chasing a college girl? Right. <laughs> yeah. One of my. Uh, one of my daughter's teammates that graduated last year has put me up to uh, the challenge of, of, of doing this half marathon with her. But she she hasn't been training the hardest either. So I don't know whether she's going to be wanting to shoot for that 130 uh, half marathon time in March. I think that might get delayed till another half marathon we're going to do in May. Yeah. So that gives me a little bit more time to, to trim down a little bit and get the pace picked up a little bit. Yeah. One thing, ladies and gentlemen, if dial up does not beat her, it will not be for lack of effort. <laughs> That's right. And probably I don't want to beat her. I just want to be able to keep up with her, not slow her down. No, I just want to not. We want to finish together, but I don't want her to have to wait for me. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll see. Because she's fast. Okay. And a lot younger than I am. Yeah. Well. All right. My money's on you, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Before I bring Bones in, I just want to just give you guys a little bit of chronology here because we record these things uh, in the past. You're listening to the past right now. Um, This is on a Thursday, right before the divisional round of the playoffs where the Cowboys are playing the 49ers and yeah. the Eagles are playing the Giants and we got some Cowboy fans in our group. I don't know why I haven't kicked them out yet, but I am an Eagles fan. <laughs> we had some good mumble chatter today. Yeah, and a bet was wagered by dial-up to our Eagles fan beach ball. Our, our Cowboys fan. Sorry, Cowboys fan. Keep me straight, dial-up. Yeah, sorry. Well, well, our Cowboys fan was talking about this two, what was it? Two four two. Yeah, I don't know some nonsense. Theory, something some, about every time yeah. the Cowboys lose, they win two games. Right. Then they lose. Then they win four games. Then they lose. Then they win two. 
And the sequence at this point is that they had lost and now they should win four games in a row, which would culminate with the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think he's... uh, And he's he's talking kind of trash. So I said, well, how confident are you in this, right? Right. Are you you willing to to let us change your name from beach ball to G string, which was, which is what our original name was. The original be name was G string only because he, he played the guitar before, Yeah, <laughs> but he pouted and said his wife didn't like it. And uh, some other people concurred because you couldn't say it in church. Although I don't know, it's not terrible, but anyway, yeah, yeah but he, he demurred. He wouldn't do it. Yeah. Wouldn't take the bet. He wasn't very committal. He's not very committal. Yep. All right. Anyway. Well, enough about that nonsense. So, uh, tuna son is our guest. As I said, bones, bones, welcome to the high impact man podcast. Pleasure to be here, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. You're coming to us from North Carolina, right? I am. I'm in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, right at the very bottom of the city limits, if you will. In fact, I'm outside of the official city limits. I'm in the Cloco County of Mecklenburg County, um, but uh, I'm sure we're going to get annexed pretty quickly. Charlotte likes the uh, tax revenue, and that wow. keeps getting inching closer and closer to my doorstep. Is it that urban creep or crawl or whatever it is? So, yeah. So they moved, yeah. they, moved, they moved the city limits? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As, as development happens, Charlotte, uh, they, they keep uh, expanding their, their tax base, if you will. So I'm, huh. I'm, I'm wedged between Fort Mill, South Carolina, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, and yeah. Lake Wiley, which is a lake that uh, Duke Power actually uh, created many, many years ago uh, for the nuclear power plant not too far from here. And so we're kind of wedged in that spot. And a lot of this land was, um, you know, undeveloped, but homes were out here. And now all these, you know, builders are out here putting up homes after home after home. And uh, I'm sure Charlotte will catch on and bring the tax base down. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm sure your weather is better than our weather. But uh, we're, again, I shouldn't be complaining, should I? No. All right. So, Bones, tell us the usual stuff. So, how'd you get involved with F3? Who EH'd you? How'd you get your name? You probably met, had to say this a bunch of times already. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, 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 it's always an interesting story when I have to kind of reflect back on this F3 journey that uh, we all are enjoying. I've been in F3 about six years. 2016 was when I officially posted for the first time. But if you back up about two to three years prior to that, I was aware of F3. You know, being here in the Charlotte region, F3 was expounding and growing. And actually, my brother, who was a little bit more central to Metro's posts and and, and AOs, actually joined F3 a few years before I did. Um, And so he kind of was a flash in the pan. He currently doesn't do it, and I don't know how long he did it, but... uh, it was funny, I, I mentioned this on a previous podcast of mine, you know, talking about my brother, and, and I didn't even know his F3 name. And so I said, I, you know, I need to go figure that out. So I, over Christmas, I actually talked to him about it. And so his F3 name was Catfish. And he was Catfish because I guess they didn't assume he was going to do as well as he was going to do. And this is the story he gave me, right? I, I wasn't on the glimpse. But interesting fact, um, Malco of Mud Gear was the one who aged him, actually picked him up in his driveway at 5.15 in the morning mm-hmm. and took him to his first F3 workout. So I thought, wow, I had no idea that Malco was so integrated in my own F3 journey and didn't even know about it. But uh, 
anyway, learned about F3 through him years before I actually started. Uh, about a year after that, ran into some guys that were in the Fort region, the Fort Mill region. Uh, again, at the time, uh, you know, I was probably about 20, 15 minutes uh, away from the closest AO, which, you know, now that I'm talking to guys across the country who will drive 45 minutes to work out, I just right. I, I feel very spoiled. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in, in our region here, you know, like tomorrow morning, for instance, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday evening. Uh, tomorrow morning, on a, on a Friday morning, I have about five or six different places I can go that's less than two or three minutes from my house. Wow. And so, you know, you just, I'm so saturated here that I get spoiled. But anyway, I chose not to join at the time. And then I had a patient, actually, in my office. Uh, he goes by F, uh, F3 Wild thing. And um, he was in my office. He was talking about doing F3. I indicated that I knew about it. And he, he uh, told me that they had just opened a new AO about half a mile from the home I was living in at the time. So, I mean, I could literally walk to it. So I said, the excuses are over. I have to go um, get up and, and tomorrow. And so it wasn't the early morning thing that was getting me. I was already the 5 a.m. gym guy. Mm-hmm. So and that was one of the other reasons I didn't like rush to F3 when I first learned about it because I was like, well, I'm already getting up. I'm already doing my thing. Do I really want to drive 20 minutes out of my way to mm-hmm. do something I'm unfamiliar with? I got it. Well, when the was across the street, I said, you know what? I'll go check it out. And, um, you know, after that first post, um, I drank the Kool-Aid. I, I saw what it was, uh, you know, as a self-employed person, uh, you know, I am the only male on my team, you know, I have females and my wife is also a chiropractor. And so I just did not have that male community and friends mm-hmm. in my professional career. Uh, and, and certainly not on a daily basis that F3 really, really uh, kind of provided for me. So at the end of the workout, like everybody knows, you're going around talking about who you are, what you do. And believe it or not, it took them longer than expected to come up with Bones. And Bones was really just kind of the, the, the resolve, uh, the default, because no one else came up with something better. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Could have been a lot worse. And uh, it's easy to say. And uh, I've embraced Bones ever since. I think it's a great name. It's yeah, perfect I, for I you. Like man. It, Not yeah. only a chiropractor, but Bones, of course, was the doctor on Star Trek. You know, so I think it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I, I enjoy it. It was just one of those things. I think they wanted to come up with something different and just just could put it together yeah 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 you're right it could have been worse it was almost too easy right yeah yeah <laughs> well we're re- really we're really not good at naming people we we give guys good names all the time we're we're we always shy away from something that might be you know yeah if we ever had like a huge day where like five fngs came like we'd be there for like half an hour probably yeah we take way <laughs> too long to come up with a name we, we think we put too much thought into it i think yeah and i'm not good at it but anyway and they never picked the ones i want anyway so but again, recently, it is amazing how some people have that gift uh, of naming. Though. Oh, yeah. I mean, certainly, certainly guys that show up in the gloom at certain AOs and there's an F and G there, you just know they're going to get a great name because of who is in the circle. And if it's a bunch of guys that aren't that you know particular guy, it's, it's like you said, you're you're kicking the can around a bunch. We actually had just on a normal day yesterday morning um, four or five. F and G's at a single workout Dang. outside of convergence, which was kind of crazy. We haven't had a big day like that in a long time. So they all walked away with decent names. So it uh, mm. sounds like, you know, we got the name down now. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to ask you about, you know, get, let you tell your story about how you grew up and all that stuff. But first 
um, I want to kind of get an understanding where you where you're posting most of the time. Um, who do you run into that we would know? I mean, guys like Banjo and Dark Helmet and uh, oh, Big Smile and Banjo. Hello Everybody Kitty. knows Banjo. Everybody knows Banjo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so not so much Banjo as I, I see Dark Helmet. I actually worked out with him this morning. Uh, Italian job. I see a lot uh, out in the gloom. He's he's in our region. Mm-hmm. Trying to think from a national level uh, who we see. Uh, on a, you guys are you guys familiar with Maximus? You know who Maximus is? I've heard of him, but I've never yeah. met him. Yeah, yeah he, he's been on. He's been featured on a few shows before. He also was doing some writing about a year ago that was getting uh, kind of promoted throughout the, the nation. That was uh, well done. So anyway, he's in the region as well. Um, you know, I'll bump into Slaughter here and there. Uh, again, he's more of the metro. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit tucked away, a little bit further down. I've worked out with Dread a handful of times, uh, but again, just outside of the, the the normal circle of AOs that I typically go to. But I would say I would see Dark Helmet and Italian Job the most out of what we would consider the national spotlight type of guys uh, on a consistent basis. Yeah, I keep trying to get people that that work out with Dark Helmet when we interview him on the show to mess his hair up, but nobody has. <laughs> Well, you know what? He, he, uh, believe it or not, you, you know, everyone kids him about his hair and he does have good hair, but he's got good hair and it, it's one of those hairs that doesn't matter if product's in it or not. He's just able to flip it back and it, it looks good again. So <laughs> it wouldn't matter if you wouldn't matter. flipped it around. Uh, Brazilian hair. Un, un, unlike my hair, pe- pe- people will talk about my hair um, and, and it's product based only. I mean, if I don't have product in it and uh, it, it's a mess, I have very long, straight hair. It's a lot longer than people assume uh, because I quaff it back. Uh, Tighten the ponytail behind you, the, I uh, can't see? Yeah, no, there's no <laughs> ponytail, but the bangs actually go a lot farther down. Uh, it actually, oh, they yeah. come down to the, almost my chin. Oh, people don't realize oh, wow. it's, it's that long, but uh, it is. Uh, and, and hence, I got to wear like a headband when I'm out in the gloom yeah. or a, a, you know, a hat. I can't, I can't go just plain hair. Otherwise, yeah. it's my eyes doing burpees and push-ups or merkins <laughs> right cool <laughs> uh, speaking of burpees i was listening to the cot podcast the most recent one today and you were on there and you talked about the history of the burpee which i posted you for did. my Share guys on of us. our slack channel for our region i thought that was pretty interesting yeah anyway um yeah royale burpee you know yeah. pe- people talk about the, the health uh segment on that show and and you know how much of it it's uh orchestrated how much conversation i have with you know hello kitty and rapido and and, and the answer is absolutely zero. There, there's no coordination. We, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, a lot of the times that uh, they hear the tip, it's live on the show as well. Right, yeah. Uh, but, it's, but it's been fun. It's been fun uh, submitting that. Uh, it really forces me to look at stuff as well. Yeah. And, you know, as much as I think I know, uh, it's always fun to learn more. Right. Uh, certainly if guys have questions or bring up a topic that they want to know about, I, I always enjoy those because it, gets me thinking and, and looking but uh i thought the royale h burpee uh history that i didn't know it either until i thought about doing the burpee segment yeah. and looked it up and i thought wow this is pretty interesting yeah definitely all right so tell us how uh how things started for you you know where you grew up and what your family life was like uh yeah, go as long as you want but uh, just kind of get to know you yeah so i mean as far as going way back in the Wayback Machine, uh, born in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, as many people know, I'm a chiropractor. I, I went to school in 
St. Louis at a school called Logan College of Chiropractic. And I bring that up because my father was a student there when I was born. And so that's where mm. I was uh, while I was in St. Louis when, when, uh, when he was finishing up school. And so he graduated school uh, you know, in the late 70s and, and really had a, an opportunity to, to go one or two places. Or in, in any case, he decided he wanted to go to one or two places. The first was either Denver, Colorado, or the second was Charlotte, North Carolina. And the only reason Charlotte, North Carolina was even on the radar is he had an aunt that he really liked had moved out to this area. And so he was familiar with uh, Charlotte. And back then, um, North Carolina was one of the only states that really had a good um, opportunity for chiropractors to come and practice. It was one of those states that really allowed chiropractors to, to do a lot of different things. And, and um, this was still early on before you know, insurance bought into chiropractic and, mm-hmm. you know, chiropractors in some states were going to jail, all that fun stuff. But uh, in any case, he chose Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, so I grew up here in the Charlotte region. I actually grew up across the state line in South Carolina. I mentioned the word Lake Wiley already. So there's a lake at the southern end of Charlotte called Lake Wiley. One half of it's North Carolina, the other half of it's South Carolina. And so I grew up across the, the border, went to South Carolina schools, but my father's clinic was in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the other things people don't realize geographically where we live is I live in North Carolina, for instance, but I post almost exclusively in South Carolina. Yeah. And that's because there's the closest AOs to me are actually in South Carolina, not North Carolina, even though I live in North Carolina. I know it's, it's funny. So... Uh, for me to go to the grocery store, for instance, it's faster to, for me to go across state line to South Carolina than it is to North Carolina, and I'm only talking about three miles away. So uh, there's actually a neighbor, adjoining neighborhood of ours that uh, I don't know what they were doing when they drew the, the line, but some people's homes are in North Carolina, but their mailbox is South Carolina. That's how crazy oh, wow. the, the line Boy, is. You know, Stylus, you know what would solve this? If they just combined the Carolinas. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah, just one, one Carolina, yeah. right? Yeah, so, so let anyway, the, com- let the complaints the begin. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. We took some heat before. South Carolina side, uh, went to a school called Clover High School. Um, as far as playing sports, I, I was really gravitated towards soccer for whatever reason. That was just one of those sports that I, I really liked. Maybe it was because I could run and, and you know, when you're younger – speed matters, uh, not as much skill. So I just maybe uh, uh, was attracted to that. I was interested in playing football, but my dad being a chiropractor was very against it. Uh, he had seen a lot of high school athletes, college athletes, even as older adults who had gotten seriously injured in football mm-hmm. and really didn't want that for us as kids. And um, so didn't really go and play football uh, except for one year. Uh, I grew pretty quickly. And so my seventh and eighth grade year, um, I was pretty tall, pretty close to six foot. Mm -hmm. I was pretty big. I was one of the bigger kids in the school. And the coach at the time cornered my father at a basketball game, which I I was playing and just kind of showed him the locker room, showed him all this at the time, this brand new equipment, the safety equipment, all this kind of stuff. So anyway, was convinced to play, or he, he was convinced to allow me to play one year of JV. Uh, football and um, 
you know, honestly, I, I didn't love it. You know, getting hit that first time was like, whoa, I, this is not as much fun as I thought it was going to be. So, uh, I, I was kind of grateful that after that year, it was like, you know, I could use my father as a big excuse of, of not playing any further. But uh, ended up playing more soccer, played that throughout high school, played basketball until everybody grew taller and bigger than me. And then uh, I was no longer on the basketball team. Um, but uh, it was just one of those deals. Went to school, uh, undergrad at the University of South Carolina. Uh, chose South Carolina because, frankly, it was just where my buddies were going. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Sure. I, I just It was just one of those deals. I, I wasn't one of those guys that did 75 applications and t- college tours and all that kind of stuff. I, I kind of knew that I wanted to go the chiropractic route by then. Uh, my parents had pulled me aside in high school and kind of had the talk. It was like, well, son, this is an option if you want it. And um, because of that, I kind of knew if I just went to South Carolina, did a certain major, I knew, the, I knew the path that I needed to go. So I didn't really look at some of these other things. Plus, I had friends going down there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that was the real reason I chose to be a, a South Carolina Gamecock. Didn't grow up a Gamecock fan. In fact, um, here in Charlotte, you early on pick a side, uh, North Carolina or Duke. <laughs> yeah, and right. um, as far as it goes to basketball or whatever. And so 1989, I was influenced by Christian Leitner and the boys of the Blue Devils. Oh, and just for whatever reason, uh, liked them, which I know is sacrilegious to a lot of people. Um, but uh, in any case, I, I was uh, grew up a Duke basketball fan, and that was really all. I, I didn't care about their football team. I didn't really watch college football until I went to school in, at South Carolina. And then now I've embraced the Gamecocks. I'm an SEC fan, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, now. But sure. Uh, anyway, got a, got a degree in exercise science, which kind of really was interesting because it, it showed me, you know, the physiology. It really kind of talked about, um, you know, developing weight uh, or, or, or weight training, some of those things. And it really kind of probably was my first taste of, you know, physique and what I need to do to, you know, optimize my health. And, and so I really enjoyed that major. Most of my uh, classmates were going into like physical therapy schools and some of those other um, avenues, uh, cardiac rehab, that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, being, being, uh, uh, a chiropractic son with a chiropractic, uh, you know, destiny. That was kind of where I was, where I was headed. And so finished, finished school, uh, at South Carolina and then decided that I didn't want to be a chiropractor. And, <laughs> and you can imagine how that went over with my, my parents. Right. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, you're supposed to go to school next year and you decide not to. And, I don't know what it was. I think it was just a matter of I felt at that moment that I was being pushed in a direction versus making a decision on my own. And I just said, you know what? Maybe it's not for me. I know what I want to be. I want to be a a CFO. I want to be an accountant. I was good at math. I thought, you know what? You know, Wall Street, uh, you know, the movie. I thought, you know, I just want to, you know, make (laughs) corporate America. Quite a change. Um, Yeah. And so I, I re-enrolled in grad school at South Carolina in accounting. And I got about halfway through the first semester and realized, what the heck am I doing? This is... <laughs> well, you know, the last, I think really it was the last, last podcast that aired that's on this week, Dial-Up, really, he doesn't like <laughs> accountants. I mean, you sure what he said no. about them. So. 
Nice, nice. I don't think we got any complaints. Uh, yeah, I didn't see anything. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. next. No, that's maybe accounts don't. Well, that was this week. Yeah, that was this week's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Well, I love my accountant. I'll tell you that he he, right. he uh, helps me uh, strategize tax wise very well. But uh, all that to say, I I, I kind of did an extra year in college, uh, just quote quote finding myself before I woke up and said, you know what, I need to go uh, pursue this. And, and then I felt like it was my decision. So enrolled in Logan College of Chiropractic. They've changed their name now to Logan University. In Chesterfield, Missouri, which is an outlying town of St. Louis, Missouri. So full circle for me, went back to kind of my birthplace, yeah. uh, went, went to class there. And uh, that's where I met my wife. Uh, she was from Miami, Florida. Um, she's got her own chiropractic story. But long story short, we spent a lot of time together. That's just kind of how it works. Uh, in class, we decided to get married and, um, we graduated 2004 and, uh, left to go do some private practice stuff. So I'll, I'll take a break there. I felt like yeah. I rambled a bunch. So no, I didn't no. know if you want to, that's fine. You went through about you know 25 years there. That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, I had a couple questions actually. Um, First of all, you know, you're in chiropractor school and you meet this girl and you're dating her and you're in the school. He's a guy that worked together. I mean, do you guys like practicing manipulation on each other and stuff? Is that something you do in that school? <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that in physician assistant yeah. school. I don't know. Yeah, I know. So, so you bring up a couple things. One is this, uh, a backstory is, my, you know, my father went to chiropractor school, obviously. Um, and so when I'm, when I'm leaving to go to chiropractor school, he pulls me aside and he says, whatever you do, don't marry a chiropractor. <laughs> I mean, that was his like last words. Uh-huh. He's like, whatever you do. And, and in his defense, what he had seen happen is, you know, quite a few of his classmates who'd gotten married over the years, divorced and mm-hmm. had strained stress in their own relationships. And I felt like he was just looking at that going, Hey, listen, I'm watching out for you, buddy. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Well, what happens, unfortunately, is you go to school and the way the school is set up is, you as a class um, are together all day long. And what happens is professors rotate in and out to you. So, you know, you are with these people, certainly the first couple of years, almost every day, all day long. So you just develop these friendships and, and relationships and, and so forth. But uh, to answer your, your question, yeah, um, you know, there was nothing like a good chiropractic party, uh, beer and adjusting tables and people <laughs> practicing moves. And, uh, you know, it was one of those deals. I, I tell people my neck and back were in the worst shape in chiropractic right. school because every other day somebody's banging on it because, you know, they want to quote, quote, practice. Right. And, uh, yeah, exactly what we did. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> you know, you, you talked about you know, your exercise uh, physiology degree in becoming a doing cardiac rehab. That's what dial-up did. Yeah. Now he's doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did exercise science, uh, exercise physiology for my master's and did cardiac rehab and stress testing and, and research for about 10 years before I jumped over to the I, the IT side. So yeah, he's going to be an accountant. Yeah, very next. cool. <laughs> I can be an accountant. Next. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> well, it's never, it's never too late to, to, to switch careers. We actually had people in my class, uh, chiropractic class, well in their fifties and sixties, which I thought was, pretty impressive to be starting a type of career here that late, you know, as far as, uh, yeah. um, it goes, but as I get older, I guess I feel that less of a, an, an issue. Certainly yeah. as a 20 year old, you think 50 is really old, but now that I'm closer to 50, I'm like, eh, probably, 
It's not that, that's old at different. All. Uh, it's kind of different from medical school, I think, right? Because so how many years is chiropractor school? But then after after medical school, you got to do like a residency. Do you have to do that as yeah, a chiropractor? No, the chiropractor school is similar in nature from a, a schooling standpoint, length time. Right. Uh, what's different is we do not do a residency on the backside. So as soon as we graduate chiropractic school, we can immediately go into private practice. Uh, start, yeah. You know, start making money, man. Into that. Yeah, start making money, which is great because those student loans, they, they rack up yeah, really astronomical. Right. So yeah, and crazy. The reason I bring that up is because, you know, you're talking about changing careers and stuff. And of course you could do that no matter what, but if you go to medical school and then you do five years of surgical residency and then you do a two, two year fellowship, you're in a lot of debt and yeah. uh, you've invested yeah. not just money, but you've invested like 10, 11 years just to finally come out and practice. Right. And yeah. uh, so it's a little bit more of a sort of, you know, not permanent, but you know, a, little bit, a little closer to permanent, you know, uh, decision when you do that. Speaking of which, uh, did that ever, did it, was that ever an option for you? You know, exercise physiology, Going to chiropractor school, did you ever think about, well, maybe go to medical school or? Yeah, so that's a radar? good question. Um, yeah, so, so the answer is no. It's not because I couldn't do it. It just, I, it was just never a paradigm that I wanted to pursue. It was just, you know, I, I, when I looked at kind of what I wanted to do and, you know, in true transparency, I guess what my, my initial desire to go to chiropractic school had less to do with what chiropractors did and their impact on the community and the patients and more about lifestyle and finances. Right. Uh, and, and I know that sounds shallow, but you know, my, I grew up um, in the eighties and my father had this thriving practice and we used to, you know, they used to call it the, the Mercedes eighties. And that was because, you know, insurance coverage was a hundred percent. People had $10 copays, right. you know, they were getting reimbursed three or $400 a visit from these patients. And, just had these booming practices. So I watched my father live a lifestyle of, you know, working two days a week, playing golf, going on the boat, living in a country club neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? So I looked at that and said, uh, sign me up. That's That's for me. That's the lifestyle lifestyle for me. Well, unfortunately for me, you know, HMOs came around, PPOs, uh, they clamped down on some of that insurance. Uh, the student loans went, astronomically higher. So we come out with much more debt than he had. Uh, Obviously there's more competition that not that I'm a competition type of mindset guy, but all these other factors that just kind of changed the paradigm of of what he'd had in comparison to, you know, his early career versus when he finally retired in 2018 was stark difference as far as how he had to practice, how he had the hoops he had to jump through all these other things. So, uh, believe it or not, I, I jumped into it for, for those reasons and then obviously fell in love with what it actually did for people and the philosophy behind it. Yeah. Um, once I kind of got into the school and met other people and, and, and really being on my own. Yeah. So were you practicing? So when you finished school, did you practice with your dad or did you open your own place? Yeah. So um, right after school, uh, my wife and I moved directly to Miami, Florida. And the reason we did that was because she was from the area and the chiropractor who influenced her to be a chiropractor um, was the chiropractor for the University of Miami. And so he was working with a lot of the athletes. He was working with the athletic program down there. And he basically had a quote unquote internship that he said, hey, guys, if you want to come down, 
this is what I can pay you, um, give you experience, something outside of the, the normal clinical experience if you guys want. And so that's what we did. We jumped down there uh, for about nine, 10 months and did that. And then eventually moved back up here to North Carolina uh, to, to join, yes, my father in practice. And, you know, they, it is it is true what they say about the difficulties of working with family. Right. I mean, you know, sure. it's, uh, yeah. and, and, and if it was just me and my father, it'd been one thing, but my wife and I both. And so, you know, I have one relationship with him and, and you know, the, and a father-son relationship. And here she is just, you know, a daughter-in-law and, and you know, my wife and, uh, just put it this way. I was in the middle of a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I could imagine. Years. Now, was your dad the boss? Was he like the senior partner or, you know, did he call the shots? So, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, no, he, he, he was and he wasn't. I mean, obviously he owned the building that we worked in. He, um, when we certainly when we first started, uh, provided the overhead as far as the staff and stuff, but he was very uh, adamant early on that she and I build our own practice. Yeah. So we were almost two practices under the same roof. Uh, to the outside eye, you know, patients, uh, they wouldn't have perceived that because we tried to keep it as coercive as possible. But no, we, so there wasn't any type of uh, boss-employee relationship that I had with my father. It was more of a partnership in a, in a, in a, in a building even though my wife and I kind of was running our own show and he was running his own. Yeah. Can't imagine those dinner table conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there was some testy times. So, uh, you know, by the grace of God, we got through it. Um, he, we, you know, when we first started practice uh, in 2004, his expectation was to only practice maybe five years mm-hmm. past that. And then, you know, we had the economic downturn and some other things happened. And long story short, he practiced it, you know, he practiced, practiced it about another 14 years or so. Oh, wow. he, he retired at the end of 2018. And uh, so, you know, uh, we got through it and um, better off because of it on this end of things. So uh, my wife and I ended up buying them out and uh, we now own the building and the land and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um for our practice so we just purchased it from my parents yeah very good man so um i just i just want to ask you a real quick question you said you grew up in the 80s how old are you i'm 45 45 okay yeah so you were a youngster in the 80s but you saw your dad's lifestyle then yeah because i was 56 i, I am 56 <laughs> I thought you, <laughs> I was fifty six yesterday and today. But I thought uh, you were going to reference living down in Miami and taking care of the the Miami, Miami hurricanes, hurricanes during. Uh, yeah, that would no. Been but he was way after years. that. But yeah. Um, yeah, but I was high school and college in the eighties. So that was. Um, anyway, I just wanted to get some perspective there. Sure, and give I our you know, listeners some of that perspective. Um, so you your practice obviously it must be thriving. You've been doing it a long time, but I also know. And, and I'm going to circle back a little bit to some other things, but I, I also know that you, um, on your bio, you told me that you work with, with different athletes, uh, college athletes, professional athletes. Do you do that now? So, yes and no. Uh, certainly high school athletes we see uh, by default just families in our community have students that play sports, and so they'll, they'll come out. When we first started practice, uh, my wife and I made a concerted effort to go to some local high schools and um, kind of uh, talk to the athletic trainers 
to see if there was something that we could do to assist. And so some of the local high schools, we would actually go on Friday nights to the games and mm-hmm. be on the sidelines and a little bit more of that perspective. My wife's background was in athletic training prior to being a chiropractor. That's how she uh, paid for college uh, on an athletic, scho- uh, athletic training scholarship. And um, she was also a massage therapist. And so she had some of that other background. And so she had a heart to do that. And, and we certainly did that pre-kids and, um, mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. Over the years, however, um, we have been capable or able to work with a handful of other professional athletes here in Charlotte. Of course, we have the Carolina Panthers. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with several of those players over the course, you know, over the course of time. I've never been designated as like an official chiropractor of those teams or anything like that, but uh, certainly had the opportunity to work with some of those athletes and um, I actually had one offensive lineman uh, pulverate one of my tables one day. Uh, he, <laughs> we had these, we had these tables that raise you up and down kind of from a, a standing position down right. in, a, in a supine or prone position, however you're facing it. And I was raising him back up from, you know, a supine position and just crushed the foot pedal. I mean, he was well over 300 pounds and, you know, six, mm-hmm eight or whatever size he is. Um, and uh, he really felt bad. I, I didn't see him for about two months because he was embarrassed, he said. I'm like, <laughs> dude, it, I mean, it's, it's life. It's just what it is. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, so got to work with them. And then fun story, uh, when I was in St. Louis at school, I mentioned my wife was a massage therapist. Well, several of the chiropractic professors at our school were the actual uh, 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 chiropractor for the St. Louis Rams, St. Louis Cardinals, the right. Blues. And so they had that clientele. And when they found out my wife was a massage therapist, they said, oh, you know what? We have players that are interested in those services. So she kind of got out in the community and started working with some of these players. And one player specifically uh, really was a good client of hers. And she befriended the wife of the player. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was like seven to 300 and, you know, 80 pounds. He'd just gotten traded over from the Patriots. And um, in any case, long story short, because of the friendship that we developed, the, the wife asked us to go to the football game with her uh, one Sunday. And so it was like, okay, yeah, that sounds awesome. So we go down to the stadium with her. Of course, he's already down there. Uh, we go down there with her. We park in the player section, of the, you know, the family section. We go into the game in St. Louis had a dome mm-hmm. yeah. and um, we, we finished the game and we all go down in the players area, the family area where the players come out and mingle with everybody. And man, these guys are just huge. Believe it or not, some of the guys are about my size, but a lot of these guys, I mean, you could definitely tell the difference. Yeah. So we go to leave the game and we have to walk from the arenas building to the parking garage. And so it's a little, you know, maybe, a hundred yards, uh, a distance, but it's outside. You have to walk. And of course they have it lined with fans. They're yeah. out there and you know, people <laughs> trying to get autographs and stuff like that. And so I'm getting ready to walk out the door. And one of the linemen just said, Hey man, just go out there and act like you're the punter. Start just signing. Start signing <laughs> <on there." laughs> and I was like, Oh man. So I will say I was too chicken just to do that. But uh, I will say as I was walking through, you could hear people go, who's that? who is that guy? Who is that? You know, and he's like, 
that uh, I could have I could have hammed it up and and I didn't. It was a missed opportunity. But uh, all that to say, yes, I've worked with some professional athletes. It's not something I, I strive to do on a daily basis. Uh, certainly not affiliated with an actual team now. Yeah. Wow, a seven foot two football player. I didn't know there was a seven foot two football player. <laughs> I've tried to remember. Yeah, some of those line some of those linemen are. That's big. They're, they're big. Yeah. That was the greatest show on turf, I think. That's where the, oh, they were in St. Was Louis. Kurt Warner. Yeah. 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 Right, man. That was good good years. It's it's making me think back the whole autograph story. A buddy of mine played college baseball and I can't they would they would commonly they at their games like these little kids would come and want their autographs and I can't remember what the name was but they the team had made up this like fictitious name and that's what they would that's what they would always sign uh, <laughs> for all these kids they would just sign this made up name all the time I can't remember what it is though but it yeah made me chuckle I had some because I was gonna I was gonna say if I could think of the name I was gonna tell you you should have signed it this right yeah. I don't remember what it is now I'll have to text them and ask Captain what it Tuttle was. yeah. <laughs> Captain Tuttle, maybe was. <laughs> I had some kids. I think it was Tim McDevy. It might have been like Tim McDevy or something like that. Oh yeah, I'll find out. I had some kids in high school ask my autograph when I played basketball. <laughs> that was cool. All right. Um, well, I just want to kind of uh, come back to your family a little bit and sort of your journey. Um, you mentioned uh, your mom had uh, developed cancer, and and this had a big impact to you not only you know personally but professionally. So, what, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so <clears throat> I started private practice in 2005-ish that summer when we moved back to Charlotte and kind of got in, involved in that. And, of course, was rocking and rolling like everybody uh, would expect, uh, people coming in for the classic chiropractic stuff, neck pain, back pain, headaches, that kind of stuff, car accidents. And, and we were just kind of humming along, and then all of a sudden my mother was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And just was kind of a shock to the system because, you know, growing up in our home, we always felt like we were quote unquote healthy. My dad always had us like do certain little vitamins. And even though he would do some health promoting benefits, you know, we also were the classic, you know, eighties, nineties pantry with all the processed stuff. I mean, if you saw our pantry then in comparison to, you know, what I forced my kids to eat, Mm -hmm. you'd be like, you know, it was crazy. How'd you survive it? But, uh, in any case, just I, I felt like how how in the world is, is she diagnosed with this thing? We quote unquote are healthy, and you know we started going through that journey with her as far as you know going to her, her appointments and and some of that. And I was just kind of intrigued with the idea of natural healing. I thought, you know what, I, I know there's very skilled doctors out there, and 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 I know there's protocols and things that seem to work for people, but I also know that they doesn't work for everybody. And I also know that there might be some other alternative options out there that might be um, an option. And so just through that, uh, I guess, rabbit hole really peeled back some of the, the layers for me as far as what was actually dogma and what was scientific proof, what mm-hmm. was, you know, just there because it was implemented in 1930 and no one seemed to change it. And what does the research actually show and, and all this kind of stuff. And it just, it blew my mind because I think up to that point and, and, and still am kind of a trusting person. And I just trusted, you know, if the authorities said it, the government said it, the, you know, whatever powers to be uh, had an opinion or at least, you know, shared information, it must be true. And I was really learning that, well, that's not always the case. There's other reasons why people uh, propagate certain things. And so it just kind of, took me down this rabbit hole of, 
of nutrition and natural healing. I was introduced to a few thought leaders at the time. Um, and again, you know, the internet was there. It was kind of a newer thing and um, wasn't as competitive as it is today as far as natural health sites and stuff like that. But uh, really started gravitating towards a few sites that uh, I, I thought was interesting and, and really just learned a lot um, about nutrition and the body, how it's designed, what it needs, what it doesn't need, uh, what we could do to mess it up, what we could do to heal it. And it just intrigued me. And so all through that process, um, you know, I saw my mom get sicker and sicker and sicker doing the traditional treatment. She was doing the chemo and then she was doing the radiation and then mm-hmm. you know, she was losing her hair. She was, you know, going from this, you know, vibrant, healthy woman down into this just woman who couldn't get her head off the couch. Right. And it just broke my heart. And I was like, oh, there's got to be something better for her. And so we started talking about things like juicing and vitamins and some of the other things that um, just wasn't as popular, or at least weren't being told to her by her other doctors. And we started implementing that. And slowly but surely, she just started regaining her health. And slowly but surely, she started getting her strength back and, and really became vibrant again. And, and to this day, you know, 15 plus years later, she's still cancer free and, and feeling great. And um, it was just, it was just a neat experience. And about the same time, people in our office would come in and say, Hey doc, um, you know, I appreciate you helping me with my neck pain, but do you know anything about, you know, high cholesterol or, yeah. you know, Hey doc, uh, my husband was just diagnosed with diabetes. Is there anything natural that he can do with this? Or, you know, whatever, you name the ailment, thyroid, whatever. And I told them exactly um, this. I said, um, go Google it. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. You know, I was like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's not what I'm trained in. Right. But I started thinking, you know, what if I could be trained in that? What if I could have an answer for them and give them more than just a, a, a Google website? And so that's when I kind of reached out and I looked at um, things, uh, and we term it functional, but functional endocrinology, functional blood chemistry, functional neurology. Um, and just instead of looking at disease and, 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 and treating the symptoms, how can we dig deeper and look at that root cause? Mm-hmm. What can we do systematically to, to improve someone's health totally, you know, uh, and allow the, and allow the body to heal itself to, to that degree. And so, it just, it was like a 10 year journey of just going and getting certain certifications and learning from other doctors who were just seeing really radical results. And, and ultimately it, it led me to parlay off of some of the chiropractic and do some of that other consulting stuff where we do lab testing. Now we walk people through dietary changes. We walk through people through exercise and, and lifestyle uh, recommendations because at the end of the day, if you're coming into me and all I'm doing is quote unquote adjusting your spine. And and again, I'm not saying that that's not powerful and that's not a benefit to them, but if that's all I do for you and you go out there and you continue to live your life exactly like you were prior to coming into my office, you're probably not going to see radical change in your health. You're going to need more than just the adjustment. You're going to need to change your diet, change your sleep patterns, all that. So I wanted to empower people with that. And so that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, you know, I, I work primarily with women initially just because women seem to be more in tune with their health, you know, desires. We men are a little bit stubborn and we think we know it all or 
We're going to wait till it gets broken. So women, you know, women were the uh, low-lying fruit, if you will, as far yeah. as marketing yeah. that, that service. And it was great. I, I worked with them for many years. Um, and then, you know, I just got to the point where with F3 and some of my other passions, I really noticed that although I loved working with women and seeing their transformation, my male clients were the one I really, really resonated with because sure. those were guys that I could just, you know, completely uh, empathize with and, and just know exactly what they're going through. I could talk to them like a man. I could, you know, do, yeah. do those things. I just enjoyed working with them. And so I made a pivot about two years ago to be pretty much exclusive uh, coaching men in their health journey. Uh, and ironically, I called it the healthy impact man uh, <laughs> story. And again, all of it, you know, came spun off some influence. That I obviously had through F3, just hearing that him acronym over and over again. And mm-hmm. um, just thought, you know what, that, that's a pretty good thing too. So anyway, that's kind of what I do in addition to just chiropractic care. Um, I'm only in my clinic a couple of days a week doing chiropractic. And then the rest of the week I'm doing virtual consults and coaching and really just helping guys uh, re- reclaim their health. Doing that from the golf course and the yacht. And <laughs> yeah. You got that lifestyle yet? Your dad's lifestyle? No, not, not, uh, not quite. Like right. I said, unfortunately, unfortunately, the student debt went way through the roof. Yeah. And then um, I, I doubled it because I married another person with right. the same yeah. debt. And so yeah. we, we, we have what we like to call a second mortgage that uh, has no building. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that definitely could be difficult. So for a minute, I'm going to turn a question to you, DFib, because what you shared there was something that I, I always struggled a little bit when I worked in, in cardiology, where the, the patients that would come in <clears throat> and they'd be asking questions about a lot of, of more of the natural healing yeah. Methods, you know, vitamin therapy, um, you know, you, you name it. Mm-hmm. And I always, I always struggled a little bit to respond because mm-hmm. like the research wasn't there. Like we didn't learn about right. it in school, but yet you would hear of all of these situations where it was really helpful to folks. And I really, I, I personally felt like it's you know, inadequate, I guess, yeah. to, in answering their questions. Um, it didn't want it was didn't want to prevent them from like trying some of these things but also mm-hmm. wanted to try and make sure that they were doing doing things that were safe and not going to make their health well, worse like do you struggle with that at all as yeah, a so as a practicing a, i don't struggle with it because i work in cardiac surgery so when people get to us <laughs> they're broken and you fix them right pretty much but i will say that well a few things so first of all most of what we're talking about not all there is some benefit to healing a disease with, you know, specific, uh, you know, good proper diet and all that stuff, but, and, and exercise is huge. Um, but mostly we're talking about is preventative yeah. healthcare. Uh, you know, you get the right nutrition, you, 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 um, and eat the kind of diet that's healthy and, you know, exercise the right way and all that stuff. And, and you're going to hopefully prevent seeing me. Right. So I could say from a cardiac standpoint, um, there is, there's evidence, there was a, a study done by a guy named Dean Ornish back in the eighties, I think yep. it was. And, you know, he took a bunch of people that had coronary disease by cath and he, I think he took 200, hundred of them. He treated the American heart association recommended way, which yep. means you went on, I don't think they had statins then, but anyway, um, you know, blood pressure control, quit smoking, control your diabetes, that kind of stuff, lose weight. 
exercise. And then he took another hunter and he took him to sort of a retreat and he taught him kind of meditation techniques to reduce stress, but he put him on a strict vegan diet. Yeah. And then they studied these people with another catheterization a year later. Now, some of them went on to need bypass surgery or stents right. or whatever, had heart attacks. But, um, but what they found was shocking is that the atheromas, atheromatous plaques that cause blockages in your arteries and your coronaries not only didn't progress, but in some cases actually reduced in size, which no one thought was possible. Yep. Now, I, I haven't – the problem with that is that almost nobody's going to be a vegan when you tell them It was, it was a really extreme so, lifestyle that he promoted, right? And it was. most people wouldn't be able to it was, but commit to or stick to. Right, yeah. right. And then, you know, there's – it's one thing to and, – and Bones, you could talk about this as far as uh, compliance – uh, it's one thing to tell somebody that you should eat lean meats, fruits, and vegetables, and you know, exercise and lose weight and do all this stuff. It's another thing for them to do it. And <laughs> so, you know, as when you're seeing your cardiologist, your primary care physician, and there's a bigger push for this now, the preventative medicine yep. stuff. Um, it's it's very difficult to get people to make a change when they don't feel bad. Right. And so, you know, it's much easier to stop at McDonald's and get that Big Mac or, you know, whatever. You know, it's just it's harder to make this paradigm shift in your lifestyle. And it's in some cases it's expensive. Right. I mean, buying good foods is more expensive usually than buying the bad foods. So we've become and bones again. You could talk about this, but uh, we've we've gotten really good at making high caloric foods, mass producing it at a a cheap rate compared to the rest of our, our human history. Yeah. And so you can consume things and, you know, keep moving and get your energy and stuff through bad things. But so from my perspective, you know, I try to tell people um, when we do bypass surgery, for instance, we don't uh, cure the disease. We just bypass the blockage. So we don't we can't even remove the blockage. That would do too much damage. So, you know, what you want to do is you want to make those lifestyle changes yeah. and stuff. But it's one thing to hear it when you're laying there after a sternotomy and you're having chest pain and you just had heart surgery and it's four days later and you're about to go home and somebody's telling you this stuff. It's another thing six months later when you're feeling good and <laughs> chest you think you, you've been fixed, you yeah. know, and, uh, and you go back to your old lifestyle. So I don't know, Bones, I talked a lot about, a lot, I talked about a lot of stuff there, but uh, you talk to us about that, about, you know, sort of compliance and, you know, the kind of things I talked about. Yeah, you see a bunch on the wall there, so I'm going to try to shift through <laughs> I it did, and, I did. And, and, and clear it up as far as kind of a, a thought process. So I, I agree with you. Compliance is everything when it comes to sustainable change. I mean, you know, and, and, and people have to be motivated to want that change. And, you know, people that I work with, that's kind of one of the things that we establish up front is, you know, what is your why? Why, right. why do you want to make these changes? Because if you don't have a compelling why – you're not going to do it. Uh, second thing that I learned over the years is you absolutely have to make the approach uh, sustainable and enjoyable for someone's life. Yeah. Um, all of us could do something extreme for 90 days, but we all know in 90 days we're, we're going to abandon it. And yeah. that's really why the, the diet industry is a billion-dollar industry year after year after year after year uh, <laughs> is because people just constantly try something uh, restrict, restrain, you know, do all those things, get temporary results or no results. And, you know, the default back to just, you know, what they were doing prior to that and they're, and, and they're back to where they were. So, you know, you have to have an approach that's a lifestyle and not a quick fix or, so I don't preach diet. You know, I tell people, you know, diets work, but at the same time, they're not sustainable. As long as you're doing the diet, they might work, but 
If yeah. you want lasting results, we need to reframe this into a lifestyle and what's going to work. Um, you know, brought up Dean Ornish and veganism and some of those things. And really what we find in a lot of literature around nutrition is um, most of those research is um, epidemi- epidemiological in nature, uh, meaning they're observational. Right. Uh, what yeah. they're really doing is they're just taking populations at large sampling questions and then kind of aggregating that information into certain piles. And so they'll say, Oh, look at here. All these people with lower heart disease happen to be less meat eaters. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. But what other lifestyle factors are you looking at in, in, in top on top of that? And so one of the things we found just looking through the literature, a lot of times is individuals who are, let's say vegetarian or vegan, well, they are that way, yes, but they also don't smoke. They probably exercise. Right. They probably you know, meditate. They're doing other lifestyle factors that are probably contribute to their health and just the veganism in and of itself. Right. And then you have the classic American diet that probably has more meat in it, but it also has a bunch of trans fat and artificial colors and diet sodas and all these other factors as well mm-hmm. that possibly could be contributing to their your overall health, not just the fact that they eat meat or, or don't eat meat. And so, um, yeah, I, I find that over the years, I've really tried to dial it in for somebody uh, and what their goals are, and that makes it so much easier. So I'm actually a big proponent of meat. I think meat is uh, one of the, the greatest nutrient-dense substances out there, red meat specifically. And, you know, it gets a bad rap because of um, methane gas and it gets bad rap because of um, feed lots and all this other stuff. Um, and, and you're right. Uh, we can absolutely destroy livestock by raising it improperly mm-hmm. and, and taking that meat and shoving it in our bodies is probably not optimal. But there are a lot of what we call regenerative farmers out there that who are doing it correctly. They're, they're feeding the cows grass and they're allowing that grass grow back and they're rotating their crops and they're doing all these other things that actually is really making a big difference. And so, um, you know, I haven't found too many guys that, uh, argue with me when I tell them they can eat ribeyes and eggs and, um, you know, they're smoker and, you know, but that's lifestyle, right? I mean, that's a, it's a long term. They enjoy that. Um, so, you know, I, all that to say, uh, to go back to, I guess, to your original point, it is about compliance. There's a time and place for medicine and there's a time and place for surgery. I mean, obviously, without what you guys are doing uh, in your clinic, uh, DFib, uh, you know, people's lives would be cut short. I mean, they need this emergency surgery. But you also mentioned the very reality, which is you're not fixing them. You're not fixing the root underlying cause that at the end of the day, Unless they change something, they're going to be back on your table again right. with another blockage. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you have to do it. And then, unfortunately, we're more stubborn than anybody. And, and a lot of my clients, um, some, you know, I would say originally, it's better now because guys are starting to wake up. But, you know, originally, a lot of my guy clients were there because their wife finally just drug them in. You know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? Like, yeah. My wife told me I had to come in here and change this and that. And, you know, uh, it, 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 unless they want to do it, it's, it, I just usually turn them away. I said, listen, man, I, I appreciate that. And I want to help you, but until you want to do this, right. uh, there's really not much I can do 
for you. And it's really not that difficult. I, I think we overcomplicate diets uh, because there's just so much information out there. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned this on my podcast a few times because, you know, obviously I have guests that like more of the plant-based diet and I have guests that like more of a meat-based diet. Mm-hmm. And if you look online or even in, in our own community, you'll probably find people on a healthy spectrum on both ends, right? You know, you, have, you quote, unquote, see healthy vegans and you see healthy carnivores and you see healthy people, you know, along that spectrum. And, and I found that really what matters the most is what they have in, in, um, in common. Mm-hmm. And what they really have in common is what they're choosing not to consume, which right. is a lot of the seed oils and the artificial colors and the excess sugar and the excess alcohol and, and all those things. And so I find that if you can just really eliminate that and find a strategy around that right. and then choose some of those other things, it is much more sustainable. And, um, but it, it, you know, that's the reason I have a job is because it is confusing. People want accountability. Like I tell people all the time, I said, most of the stuff I'm going to teach you are things you've already heard before or you already know, what I'm going to do is simplify it for you and most importantly, keep you accountable because that's really what we need to see change. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great answer, man. I, you know, there's, there's so much to this. And one of the things you mentioned about was the epidemiologically based sort of data. uh, And, and, and there are so many, I would say the majority of people and, and, and I, you guys could disagree with me if you want, but I think COVID really magnified this. The majority mm. of people really you know, have, have no idea what they're doing when, when they're looking at science and data and all this stuff. Yeah. And there's so much out there. You could Google anything and come up with whatever you want. And so it's really hard for the average person who's not in, you know, trained in medicine and that kind of stuff to know what's, what's really right and what's really wrong. And then we get it wrong sometimes, right? There are, there are things just in my specialty where we used to, uh, not do because like that's so malpractice if you give somebody right. a beta blocker who is in heart failure. Yeah. Then it became malpractice if you don't give them a beta yeah. blocker when they're in heart failure. It. So you know it's crazy how we're still learning, we're still evolving, and uh, so it's just really difficult. You can get really lost in the jungle out there if you start looking for this stuff. Um, sorry about that. I didn't. I, okay. didn't I didn't mean to go on that. But uh, I do have a question for you, Bones. Now, I want you to. I want you to answer this. Okay. Don't. Don't say it depends on the person uh-oh, and, uh-oh. you know, all that stuff. Give it to us straight. You're going to ask about bacon? No, no, no. Bacon's <laughs> good, man. Everybody knows that. Um, Harry said he likes meats. Uh, so tell me, what is the best diet? Now, I want you to so for, for weight loss, health, sustainability, and all that stuff. Don't I want to hear about intermittent fasting and low carbs. And I, I think you do intermittent fasting, which is great, but... Tell me what's the, give me it. What is the best diet? Yeah. So you really put me on the spot here and you pigeonholed <laughs> me on, on my answer. So, so I think, I think the best way of answering this is just tell you what I do. Right. Um, Cause obviously I do what I think is the best. Okay. Uh, what regardless hope so. of what uh, other people are out there. And, and I've shared this too, that uh, health is a journey. Health is some, one of those things that you constantly work on. It, to your point a minute ago, it sometimes uh, evolves as we learn new information or, right. or, or, or experience new information. Sometimes it's not new, but new to us. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a matter of, of how well we believe it and how well we adapt it. So 
I'm currently, my diet currently consists of steak and eggs and eggs and steak. Um, so <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and, 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 and I say that tongue in cheek. I, I do eat a lot of steak. I do eat a lot of eggs. I eat beef. I eat lamb. I eat chicken. I eat a lot of meat animal based protein. Uh, I think one of the epidemics in our society is a lack of muscle, especially mm-hmm. as we age. Mm-hmm. One of those things that happen to most people is they lose muscle uh, function and tonality. And um, it's really, in my opinion, the epidemic. And so instead of concentrating on fat loss, I like to help people concentrate on muscle building. Mm-hmm. Because when you concentrate on muscle building, you're by default going to burn fat because metabolically that's just what's going on in your body. So what do you need to build muscle? You need protein. Mm -hmm. And more specifically, what you have to have is you have to have the amino acid complex that makes up protein. And there's a few amino acids that are more important than others when it comes to muscle building. And one, and and the one that gets a lot of credit is the one called leucine. Mm -hmm. And we now know that leucine is about 10% of uh, the makeup of the protein uh, uh, complex, if the amino acid complex in, let's say, uh, a meat. And so what that means is you need about three grams of leucine, two and a half grams, three grams, so therefore about 30 grams of protein per sitting. Mm-hmm. So if you're eating a meal, my opinion is you're going to need 30 grams of protein or more to elicit what we call muscle stimulation or synthesis which I think is important because that's you know, going to provide longevity. I used to preach fruits and vegetables and I used to preach, you know, raw nuts and, you know, raw dairy and all this stuff. And again, I'm not saying people shouldn't eat that stuff. I just also have been educated on that. Those products aren't as benign as, a lot of people lead us to believe they are, you know, all plants have chemicals, for instance, and just like animals and humans who do not want to get, um, you know, terminated plants, only defense system is to release chemicals. They can't run away from the prey. All they can do is change their composition or release chemicals. And we now know that those chemicals can be associated with a lot of the stomach and digestive distress of a lot of humans. And so all that to say that they're not as benign as people think they are. And certain uh, individuals and populations do worse than others. Right. And so I personally have found the less vegetables that I eat, the better I feel. And I know that's sacrilegious in the nutrition <laughs> world, but it's just, it's just, it works for you. Flat out truth. And so I, I've, I've lost fat and gained more muscle in the last, three months eating more carnivorous than I ever had eating a quote unquote balanced diet. So most of my male clients love the idea of eating meat, love the idea of this stuff. And I have seen more transformation in the last year implementing this style of eating than any other style I've ever implemented in the past. Now, not to say that you can't get results other ways, and I have. And I'm not saying a vegan can't lose weight and quote-unquote become skinny. But what I am saying is, there's, my opinion, there's a more optimal way of doing it, and that's an animal-based diet. Yeah. Do you do just egg whites? 
No, no, I do not. Uh, uh, I personally believe that good fat cholesterol in the egg yolk is good for you. Now, I know certain individuals will do more egg white, especially like bodybuilders, because uh, from a protein absorption standpoint, eggs is by far the best thing out there. And so bodybuilders know it. And this and, and this is another thing people need to realize is, you know, as much flack we give bodybuilders, they dial in yeah. physique yeah. and nutrition. And right. if you ever want to get fit, go look at what those people do. Right. I mean, you know, obviously they get a bad rack because people think of, you know, steroids and other things. But majority of the people out there do not use those stuff and they just dial in their, you know, their diet. Now, it's very restrictive. It's not something I'm going to recommend for the average man who just wants to be healthy. Yeah. But the reason they do a lot of egg whites is because it keeps the fat content lower, but still bulks up the, the protein. But in my case, that's not what I'm going for. I just want the whole good, right. um, solid egg. Yeah, I, I eat a lot of eggs. I eat a lot of meat. I love meat. In fact, if I had meat right now, I'd be eating it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you? What about you know carbs? So my issue is I could try this uh, you know really low kind of low carb diet, and I know I, th- I think I know what you're going to say, but uh, and I've been doing it for about oh three weeks. When did we start our Fat Boys Texted group? First of the year. First of the year. Okay, so what were we? Nineteen? Is this the nineteenth? It's yeah, nineteen right. days. So. Yeah. so yeah, so at the beginning of the year, I put out to. Uh, uh, the packs it was just to set some goals, uh, New Year's resolutions, and some some guys said they want to lose weight, and I was in that group. So we started a Fat Boys text group that were keep our accountability <laughs> group. Uh, and uh, so in that process, my goal has been to reduce portion size, and because um, I eat way too much, but I reduce por- reduce portion size, and I'm not off of bread. Maybe I should be, but you know I might eat one slice of bread a day, like a piece of toast with breakfast. Or something like that, but um, but man, I am craving a quarter pounder with cheese because I want the bun and the meat. So you know, <laughs> what do you say to that? I'm like three weeks in. Maybe I should have got off the bread completely, and I'd be better now. But I'm if I tried just all meat, I'm always hungry, like starving. Yeah. So um, my challenge to you is this: you're probably not eating enough meat. Okay. Probably not eating enough calories. You know, that's the whole shift that I try to make with people is stop concentrating on restriction because restriction is no fun. Mm -hmm. Restriction is something you're going to abandon at some time because it's just lacking versus the opposite approach, which is build, 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 Mm -hmm. abundance, abundance, abundance. And so you are probably just not consuming enough protein or meat to satiate your hunger First of all, especially since you use the term counting calories or restricting calories, my, my gut feeling is you probably aren't getting enough. Mm-hmm. And so what I coach guys to do is concentrate on getting the protein first. If you get your protein first, usually what happens is that fat and carbohydrate macros fall into place naturally on their own. Mm-hmm. So your body requires two, your, your body, uh, and let's just go deeper, your cells require energy. Mm-hmm. And those cells require one of two forms of energy, carbohydrate or fat, period. That's the only two options right. that you can give it. And so what happens is if you eat a high meat slash fat diet, your body becomes adapted to burning that and using fat as fuel. If you eat you know, more of a, a carbohydrate-loaded type of diet, 
your body's just going to use carbohydrates. Now, the problem with the carbohydrate-style diet, especially in excess, is because your cells get full of that energy very quickly, mm-hmm. and it elicits something called the Randall cycle. And it's, this is all geeky. But anyway, <laughs> what it does is it blocks the gate, and it forces that carbohydrate, which is really glucose, mm-hmm. to build back up in the bloodstream, which is very problematic to your overall metabolism. And so your body has to take that. It's got to release you know, insulin from the pancreas and grab it and right. start shoving it in fat cells and everything else. And so people just seem to gain more weight when they, when they dial it in through the carbohydrates. And what makes that Randall cycle um, operate or kick in the most is when people combine fat and carbohydrate. Yeah. So this is why let's say like a vegan can get skinny and feel good if they're just eating carbs, but very little fat and protein. And why a carnivore guy can get really lean and, and stuff because they're not eating any carbohydrates. Yep. They're just eating the fat. And so it's kind of one or the other is what you need to pick. But um, just uh, to, to piggyback on the other thing you said, yes, it's usually like ripping a Band-Aid. Um, dripping a little bit of bread in your diet is just enough to hit those dopamine receptors right. to make you want to crave it. Yeah. It's the classic if you completely knock it out and you don't have it for a few weeks, those cravings begin to go away, especially if you're stuffing yourself with the meat. Uh, you know, um, for instance, for lunch today, I had a pound of ground beef. That was my lunch. <laughs> so, you know, um, and, and I'm getting ready to have a, uh, a one pound ribeye as soon as we get done with this. So that's, that's my diet today. Yeah. And so, I feel satiated. I feel full. I went out and worked boot camp this morning. I came home and I lifted, sat in my sauna. I went for a walk. In other words, I'm very active. Yeah. Yet I'm cramming. I'm not, I'm having very little if none carbohydrates. Yeah. But I think we've been told by the fitness industry why carbs are so good. And there's a time and place. Um, but for an average person who wants to lose weight, the, the fastest way to do it is to restrict those carbs or even eliminate them, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And, and sustaining it is, is, is the key, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Dialup, I don't know what you heard, but I heard I should eat more. Uh, yeah. Is that what you heard? Yep. Okay, Order good. Good. As long as we're on the same page. The right, the right stuff. <laughs> yeah, because what happens is, so, so your body requires certain nutrients and vitamins and minerals to function. And so when you put the right fuel in, your body will go ahead and say, great, I feel good. Don't, you don't need to put anything else in me. Right. But when you start putting that other stuff in, you might be putting in a lot of calories. You might even put in a lot of substance. But if it doesn't have the chemical makeup that your body wants, you're going to crave more food. And this is why people constantly, you know, they eat a bag of chips and then want another bag of chips. And then yeah. they feel hungry after this. It's, because, it's not because you're not eating enough calories. It's because the calories that you're eating aren't sustaining or providing that nutrient density that your body requires yeah cool yeah sorry we've beaten the diet thing to death now we've kind of drifted yeah, to uh, yeah, a satellite for- hunt for wellness podcast right well <laughs> these bones for crying out. i know we got the man yeah all right cool well thank you um so let's uh let's talk about fitness and then and then we'll, we'll kind of cut do you have time yeah okay. i got it now let's talk about your fitness uh i know i've heard you talk on podcasts recently especially your own um that you were you were training you ran the brr with a bunch of crazy people with like you know like two guys running 400 miles each or whatever it was and no, i'm just kidding but you guys did it with what six 
Yes, we had a six-man team. Yeah, so I couldn't do it this year because my, my some back issues. But was that this past year? Yeah, he was with yeah, Banjo this past oh. September. Oh, you yeah. were on Banjo's team? No, he wasn't on my team. No, oh, he, he wasn't. Oh, I thought he was. I was gonna say. I, 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 I would have thought I would have met you because we were in like the same transition zones together, like the whole race, I think, and yeah. we didn't cross paths. What was your team name? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I think we were something with like liver eaters or something like that. Um, I can't remember. I was, I, I, I had nothing to do with the naming of it, but, uh, I can't remember what we called ourselves. Maybe it had, maybe it had something with a goat or liver or something. I don't know. Anyway, more, right. rib, more ribeyes. Um, so I know you were like, you, so you had to train for that. So you're doing more running. And recently you said that yeah. you wanted to put more muscle back on. So, you, um, what's your, What's your uh, usual routine like throughout the week? Like, how many times do you post, and and what kind of workouts do you do? Yeah, so um, it shifts with time, uh, as everyone knows. When you have certain events that you're training for, you'll dial in a little bit differently. So, leading up to the BRR, I of course was running a lot more. So I was nice. finding those AOs that were a little bit more run heavy, or just doing runs. Uh, in outside of going to a regular uh, beatdown. But, uh, you know, I just, I found that for me, I just don't enjoy running enough to want to continue to do it at that level. Right. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not riding off running. I have a few races coming up this spring uh, with some relay type of scenarios, much less involved than that six-man BRR uh, experience. But uh, I find that after about, five, six miles, I, I kind of hit my limit of what I'm enjoying. Right. And, and, and not that I can't do longer than six miles. It's just, I just don't like it. Yeah. Um, you know, that uh, a typical boot camp with three miles is, is probably a, a, a sweet spot for me as far as that goes. Uh, so posting wise, uh, that's fluctuated over time. I used to, you know, when I first started F3, I went a couple days a week and still went to the gym. I was one of those classic. I got up, went to the boot camp, and then at lunch went to the gym and then turned around the next day, you know, type of things. And then that morphed into just doing F3 six days a week and then four to, you know, just kind of played around with my schedule. So currently, because I wanted to work on some lifting, I go to F3 workout. Uh, consistently about three days a week, uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Uh, my Monday and Wednesdays are my clinic days. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in my clinic probably from 7 a.m. till 6.30 at night mm -hmm. on those days. And so it's just a long day. And so I choose to get up and do some lifting at my house. I have an infrared sauna. So I like sitting in that for about 45 minutes before, you know, showering, getting ready for work. And so I found that if I went to an F3 workout, and then tried to cram in some of that other stuff. It was just overwhelming for that day. Yeah. And so I, I've recently stopped doing or posting those two days um, currently. Now that may change again once I kind of get tired of lifting more than I'm lifting now. But uh, uh, boot camp. Uh, so I go to a primary like a kettlebell gear workout uh, one day on, on Tuesday. Today, uh, Thursday, I go to a um, kind of a higher running intense uh, boot camp uh, here in the fort. And, um, you know, it's usually three to five miles depending on the queue as far as that goes. And then Fridays, it's a mixed bag. I'll either do a ruck workout 
I'll do a, just another boot camp workout. Um, sometimes uh, I'll do a, the running workout. Kind of my 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 wild card uh, day that I do. I hardly ever post on Saturday or Sunday. I just was never a Saturday or Sunday post person. Primarily, it's just the one morning that I try not to get up at 4 a.m. and kind of enjoy my family a little bit in the morning and yeah. come down and have that you know cup of coffee and and just relax in the morning type of scenario. But uh, you know, I, I can be pulled and convinced to come out on a Saturday if it's a convergence or CSOP or something like that. But right. but the rule of thumb is I typically don't work out. Now I will walk at home or I will lift at home on a Saturday. So I'm not, not doing anything. So I, I, I do something six days a week. Three of those days is, is prime, you know, with an F3 workout. Okay, cool. Um, so tell me uh, as far as F3 is concerned and uh, I guess the three aspects, you know, fitness, fellowship and faith, but the, but the mission is to invigorate male community leadership so let's talk about first about leadership. Uh, you've got a large concentrica because you've got your, your podcast. I know you've yeah. been on television multiple times, to, you know, giving wellness tips and all that. So you have a pretty large concentrica. So how does F3 helped you in, in general? How's it helped you? And then specifically with leadership? Yeah, I mean, just uh, I'm, I'm just flat out better person over the last six years, just being influenced by F3, uh, not only, you know, first by the guys that are proximate to me, you know, the guys that I'm seeing on a daily basis and developing those relationships with, uh, I, I, I jumped pretty, you know, head in with F3 from a standpoint of any type of second F that I can make. I try to go to most third F stuff. I try to go to, I've been pretty consistently doing a Bible study every Friday, golly for probably since the beginning mm-hmm. of f3's you know journey with me in addition to some other third f stuff like today we were doing one um just a different one that's not the bible study one and so i just found that all that 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 camaraderie with these men because like i mentioned you know in my workplace i'm kind of on an island as a man i mean obviously i have male clients but that's different than having guys that, you know, you really are, are, are befriending and, and having as that inner circle. And then I've really been impressed with just the leadership um, education piece of right. F3. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dredd and his work, and I, I think he, he's done an excellent job in some of the resources he's provided us as an organization. And I've really loved the key source, and I've loved the book Free to Lead, and I'm just a bolder man probably now than I've ever been. Uh, I, I think I, I did a lot of things growing up that came easy to me. And, and, you know, for me, easy was above average. And so I just got away with it. Um, whereas now I'm really looking at opportunities to push that limit and be that better father, be that better community leader and just be bolder, you know, not to be, um, worried about you know the conflict that could happen if i stand up for what it is that i believe and part of that development happened during covid you know i mean i I took a stance and philosophy that wasn't probably popular with mainstream and (laughs) i had to learn how to navigate that and, and and be comfortable in my own skin about 
you know, how I felt about that. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's been a, it's, it's been an evolution and a learning process. I'm still nowhere close to being um, where I need to be. And uh, I think, you know, before we pushed record, we, we were talking about that conversation we were having this morning around identity. Right. And, um, you know, the, the, the topic at the conversation was, you know, what is your identity and how, how would you rank your identity once you strip away all your roles? And, you know, we all usually identify as the roles that we have, like a father, as a right. husband, yep. as you know, a chiropractor, an F3 brother. Right. And, and really none of that's our true identity. Those are just roles that we play and that the identity is much deeper than that. And that, um, you know, as a believer, you look at your, how does God see me, you know, right. and, 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 you know, what does that mean? And, um, and, and, you know, how does God rank me? And God sees me as perfect and made in his image and, and, and if we just operated from that perspective instead of, you know, the roles, which then we could obviously compare ourselves with others in similar roles, which then lead to, you know, um, shame because we're not living up to maybe somebody else's standard. And that's just kind of a downward spiral. And because of that shame, you make poor decisions, which then becomes less and less uh, of where you want to be versus approaching every day as, I am perfect in God's image. I was made for the whatever, um, you know, what, what the goal he has for me. Right. Um, and, and so I think I would not have any of that or any of that perspective if it wasn't for F3. Wow, that's great Good stuff. Yeah. I was going to ask you how it impacted your faith too, but I think you just answered that, unless you want to expand upon that. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, basically what I, uh, I mean, just to piggyback on what I just said, it's, yeah. it's, it's stronger than it ever been, has been. And, um, you know, just, um, and, and, and not just faith, but just a, I'm a much better husband than I would have ever been had I not had this accountability of F3 and other men, you know, speaking into me or keeping me accountable. And certainly, um, you know, uh, I wasn't, I mean, I guess I was a father before I was an F3 uh, guy, but um, I know I wouldn't be as good of a father if it wasn't for F3, in my opinion. Yeah, and you got two kids, right? I have two teenagers, a 16-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son. All right. They'll keep you busy. Yeah. They do. They do. It's a good time now because you can go watch them if they're in sports or whatever. You know, it's kind of cool at this point. Um. Yeah, it is. It is. So my son's, uh, he's a guitarist. And so he's got a, a gig on Saturday night. We're going to go check out, cool. Uh, which is fun to go do. Yeah. And then my daughter, she does a lot of leadership roles, but, uh, her newest thing, um, she got a driver's license. And so that has been a, a neat experience <laughs> from a, a carpool standpoint, right. a reprieve from my wife and I to have to yeah. cart her and her brother around all the place to, you can take them to school, take them to work, all mm-hmm. that fun stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, you got a 17-year-old could drive the 14-year-old around. It's a good, good time of life, man. Yeah, yeah. I, remember, I remember that transition. It was nice. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Now we're empty nesters, so yeah, yeah. it's a little a different time of life. All right, good. Do you have any other questions for Bones? Nothing I can I can think of. It's covered a lot of stuff tonight. Yeah, we did. I know we went a long time, but I... I Please forgive us. really good. Our intent was to try and get our podcast under an hour, but this was this was a good one. There's a lot of good material out there. I think. Yeah, we don't follow the rules all the time. Yeah, I think all the nutrition discussion folks will 
we'll find valuable. I, I think it was really interesting. I don't know about how everybody else will think, yeah. but that was good. Um, yeah, okay, so I got two questions I ask everybody. Now, the first one is, um, if you had to pick somebody, you know, it could be somebody from the distant past or now or whatever that you think of as somebody who's inspired you, motivated you, sort of a hero, whatever, who would you pick? Hmm. So... I've been influenced by lots of people over the course of my life and, and in different genres and areas of it. So to simplify my answer, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use my father mm-hmm. and just from a standpoint of, he was a man of God. He was always, and he's still alive. So I don't want to speak to speak as if he's gone, but just growing up, my perspective, he was a man of God. He was always there. I remember watching him sitting in the word. Um, he always greeted my mom with a kiss every morning and every night when he got home, he was always around. Um, he was, you know, uh, as an adult, you look back and you're like, he wasn't perfect, but at the same time, you know, he was doing his best, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to do everything. I think he felt like he needed to do, um, to, to raise a family and, and, and support a wife. And, um, you know, that can, Consistency that he showed and the love that he showed and the leadership that he showed, um, not only in our family, but in our church and our community, uh, was just something uh, I look up to and want to aspire to be as well. Fantastic. Yeah. What kind of church do you go to? So, so currently, um, and, I, and I snicker because it's, it, it's kind of a, a funny situation. Um, the church I'm in is technically a United Methodist church. Having said that, we are breaking away from the United Methodist yeah. <laughs> uh, denomination because of some of the, you know, the, the disagreements with, right. you know, how they view certain things in scripture or whatever. So it will soon be a non-denominational church, but um, it's technically under the umbrella of, of, of a Methodist church. Okay, cool. Yeah, my wife's mom's going through that same thing with, uh, with their church. Uh, my yeah. my wife's Methodist church? church growing up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Methodist church. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, that's been going on for a few years. I think now that they've it's made some probably long overdue. Quite honestly, yeah, uh, yeah. But all right, happening. Uh, anything else for nope. me? Okay, last question. This is your chance to speak to the men of America. Not that you don't get your chance on your podcast every week, but <laughs> anyway, uh, to ask this, answer this question specifically. What's your message for the men of America? Wow. Um, so. My belief is we were all created to have impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I talk to my men client, I kind of get more into specific about, you know, as a man, you're created to be, you know, that leader of your family, you know, protector of your wife, mm-hmm. um, you know, influencer of your children and, and certainly that community leader. And that, that impact or, or your capability of that impact um, is predicated by a lot of different things. But one of the things is certainly your health. And that when you don't have your health, mm-hmm. your ability to have that impact on your community or your family is, is affected. And as you lose your health, instead of having the positive impact that you want to have, you actually become that burden that you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen it too many times where family dynamics are, are, are just destroyed or, or burdened because of the health of that person. And again, I know things happen and I'm not saying if someone is sick or, or going through something that, you know, they're, they're quote unquote a bad person or not have an impact. But I think a lot of it is things that we 
do have control over on a day-to-day basis and that if we prioritize our health, a lot of those other dominoes will fall into place. And so my message is from a transformational standpoint because a lot of guys are like, listen, here's where I want, here's where I am and this is the transformation I want to be and, or, or, and I want to have, you know, how do I do that? And I say, we got to break it way back down to the daily decisions because daily decisions lead to weekly momentum, which leads to monthly changes and then ultimately yearly transformations. Yeah. And so approach every day, every meal with that decision that you have, am I going to do whatever I can at this moment to promote my health? And guess what? None of us are perfect. And what that means is the next time or the next day I get to make that same decision but doing that consistently is what's going to lead to that transformation most people want nice good stuff good word man yeah yeah don't be a burden um that's probably not the way you want want to summarize that but uh work <laughs> no, on be, your, be an impact yeah. and, and optimize your health to, to to really um uh impact the impact that i believe that you were created to have right that's a great word man I love it. I love it. These these bodies were given to us. You know, we're supposed to be good stewards of them, right? Amen. Yeah. Treat like a temple. All right. All right, brother. I hope to meet you in person someday. This has been really cool. Yeah. Sorry we kept you from your ribeye this long. No, that's okay. Uh, it's been just marinating a little bit longer, so it'll be perfect to throw on the grill here. All right, man. Uh, my M, my however, she's over there starving, so I'm going to have to go over there and feed her. Okay. Well, well we'll let you. Yeah. One last ahead. question. Rare? Yeah, go Medium ahead. rare? Medium? Oh. Uh, as rare as possible. I, so, <laughs> Just so yeah. it's not moving when you uh, poke the fork in it, right? That's right. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law always says, you know, uh, cut its tail, wipe its ass, and throw it on the plate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. You got to have some blood in there. There's nutrients there, right? Yeah, I heard that. That was in a movie right. one don't, time, Don't too. boil all the blood out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So medium rare, really, okay. to be honest. It's not medium rare. So now, I got, now that you asked that, I guess. I'm sorry. I'm how does your wife on. take the steak? Because when I cook steak, I got to cook mine, yeah, and I got to yeah, yeah. finish yeah. my wife. A little bit later. So, so, so thank, thankfully, she's close to that. She doesn't like it as rare as I do. So her, hers gets a little extra time on the grill. Yeah, I got to do the same thing. <laughs> same. All right, man. Well, hey, brother. God bless you. Thanks for doing all you do. Keep at it. Um, uh, you know, I I really like this uh, this whole thing, man. It was really cool. I can't wait to hear it back. Yeah. And if you like this, go out and check out his uh, his podcast, Hunt for yeah, Wellness. Yeah, yeah. Check out if the Hunt for Wellness. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug, brother? It's good to do that. Yeah, so um, so to your point, yes, the Hunt for Wellness podcast, I try to release a show weekly. That is on the F3 channel of podcast. So if you're in a podcast app, you need to go to the F3 channel, and the Hunt for Wellness podcast is one of these shows on that channel. So it's a little confusing when we're telling people that. So yeah, check that out. I, I, you know, I love having those conversations with guys out there. Um, secondly, um, you know, I'm assuming... Uh, when this airs, it'll be available, but uh, I'm currently uh, provide, writing a guide right now, just uh, a Healthy Impact Man guide that's a free download. Uh, if you guys want to go to the healthyimpactman.com, there's just a little uh, subscribe on the bottom, uh, a free download. I just break down all my dietary thoughts, uh, history of some things, and uh, just some advice that any guy can implement to, to start moving on their own hunt for wellness. Cool. Thanks Very for sharing. nice. Yeah. So dial up, dial up. We just spoke to another high impact man. We did. All right. I got to go eat some meat. All right. Let's cook it up. All right, brother. Peace out. Bye, guys. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.